that beautiful baby boy. Hello, friends. Uh, this is me and Becca at Ghost Emoji. We are both in various levels of cat owner hell. So, you know, welcome. Welcome to, to this circle with us. I'm wondering if letting him in would be better because then the thrill will be gone, so to speak. It could be, but I feel like it was like two episodes when there was a, a big crash and I definitely thought you were dead and it's because he had like pulled your mic or something like down onto the ground. That's true. I don't know what, I don't know what's better, honestly. Uh, my cat just thinks I stink and so she's attacked me from all sides and I feel betrayed. All my yoga zen is gone. I hear there are screaming children on your end, unless that's also your cats. Nope, that's screaming children. They've picked right now to be outside on the street, right in front of our house, to, and to scream. Man, nature. Children. Animals. They love playing on our, like, front stoop, and it drives me nuts. It's the perfect stoop. I guess so, because <laughs> they're always, like, jumping across it, and I just want to be like, people live right here. Could you stop? Go jump on someone else's stoop. Ah, witch! <laughs> and then they run away. <laughs> As I poke my head out the door. <sighs> You're blocking my crystals. I'm trying to charge them. <laughs> Maybe you should try that. Maybe they'll leave you alone. Maybe or I'll just get a lot of uh, passive-aggressive notes. Or actually just fully aggressive notes on next door. Mm, man. Anyway, what a weird energy to come into this thing with. Screaming children and cats. I'm going to shake it off. I'm going to shake it off. And we're going to have a great episode. So help me. Okay. <laughs> Do you understand me, Becca? It's I'm weird. not the one who's holding this, this train hostage. Who said I'm holding the train hostage? I'm going to need you to take down this <laughs> negative energy, Taylor. <laughs> This okay, is like earlier when we down. were trying to get the Pikachu mocha hi-hat and <laughs> Becca was like, we need two tailors. What happened to Taylor that's always like, now maybe, you know, just reconsider. It's not the end of the world. It's just the uh, the hi-hat mocha. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Shit. I can't be- it says it's a dollar. They don't even fucking have it. God damn it. <sighs> it was, you got so angry for um, such a an insignificant reason. reason. I know. <laughs> I gotta learn to let it go. It's just Pokemon. It's just coffee. It probably wouldn't have even been that good. Who cares if it had sprinkles? It's not a big deal. It's gone now. I'm. I let it go. We're good. Cause, you know, what I could I could die tomorrow. Do you need to go to another yoga class? You know, I think I'm good. But you know, if I did die tomorrow, you know what they would do with my body. Shoot it to space. No. They would chop out my organs and give them to people who need them. Like mummies? No. With mummies, I think they take them out and they liquefy them. And then they keep them with the body in the tomb. I don't need my organs where I'm going. It seems awfully selfish of them. <laughs> you know, it's different, different beliefs. You know, it's good to just consider, you know, it's different cultures and different... Oh my god. <laughs> I'm slingshotting back and forth between <laughs> aggressive tea and and just loose tea. But um. Anyway, that was my sloppy uh, segue. We're doing organ transplants and cellular memory. 
what happens when you get a new donor and then a new donor when you get like a, a new heart from a donor and all of a sudden you love hot dogs but you never cared about hot dogs before is it science or is it is it made up science a pseudoscience if you will those are my favorite kinds <laughs> uh, let's see uh, some of my sources I I worked from a bunch of different stuff, but the main articles I pulled from was one on Listverse that had uh, kind of the loose bits. It was 10 organ recipients who took on the traits of their donors. I didn't do all 10, but I grabbed a handful. There's also an article on MysteriousUniverse.org about merging two souls, cellular memory, and organ transplants. That one was interesting. And then the other one was MedicalDaily.com. Can organ transplants change recipients' personality? Cell memory theory affirms, yes. Who knew? But this is something I've been interested in doing for a while, and then I forgot about it, and then I remembered. And I completely scrapped what I've been working on since, like, a month ago, and now here I am. I'm so curious about this, the other thing that you, like, I know what it is, but I don't want to say it just in case we do it another time. It was cool. I just, I wasn't feeling it. I'm feeling That's this. That's fair. That's fair. I, so. I get that. <laughs> uh, so did you know, according to... OrganDonor.gov, which is a, a U.S.-centric government website, 36,528 people in the U.S. received organ transplants in 2018. An organ transplant often gives the recipient... <laughs> an organ transplant <laughs> often gives the recipient a chance at a new life, but in some cases, a stronger heart or a more effective liver might not be the only thing a recipient walks away with. Organ recipients, take a shot every time I say recipient, sometimes report new memories, food cravings, hobbies, and other abrupt personality changes. Is this a result of a traumatic surgery, or do organs and the cells that make them up transplant a part of the donor's soul as well? <sighs> Question mark. Hot dog. So, cellular memory is a theory that our cells contain copies of our memories, which is a weird thing because, like, technically memories are just, like, a story you tell yourself over and over. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know how that, is it, is it storing the last memory and the memories previous that you've told the story plus the original story or whatever remains of that? And it, let's, okay. It's, I mean, it's chemicals. Memories are chemicals and, and stuff like that. So. Weird. Yeah. And this one, I mean, it focuses mainly on more sciencey stuff and less like memories and thoughts and feelings, but they think that they're tied together. Ooh. And by they, I mean a bunch of quacks. Oh, okay. It's long been thought that memories were stored solely in the brain, but a team of researchers from the Swedish Karolinska Institute announced the discovery of the me mechanism for cellular memory and its transfer among cells. Their paper, published in the scientific journal Cell, examines the interactions of proteins and DNA during cell division, isolating what's known as transcription factors. And there was a lot of very smart-sounding science stuff that I was like, you know what, I don't think our listeners care about this part, and I didn't fully understand what they were saying, so I tried to break it down into something more simple and interesting to say. Basically, because, like, stem cells was, like, the main focus, they can be converted into any other kind of cell. Like, a lung cell could be converted into a brain cell if needed, 
or a stem cell can turn into any kind of cell, which is what makes them so valuable. Um, and that means whatever memory that the cell contains will then be passed on to other cells in the system of the body. So they were kind of trying to study, like, how does this one stem cell know how to become all these different kinds? And so they were like, well, each time it, you know, replicates or it becomes new, it has the memory of, like, before when it became a lung cell versus a liver cell. And so they're all in there. And they were like, well, most of these studies are done mainly on cellular memory, focusing on how and if the memories are stored and transferred for the purpose of creating these new cells. So more like purely biological. But a lot of people have kind of hung on to this and been like, do you think that this means like in a secondary effect, would there be more than just identity information being stored in those proteins? You know, that information that's being shared and spread, is it tied more to like what makes you up? Like your your feelings, your hobbies, your temperament and stuff like that, which I think that one's a little harder to prove. But they were like, well, if it can do it for this one thing, why not for this? And so that could basically mean instead of just being like in your brain and your synapses, parts of your memory or what we think of as memories can be stored in several different types of cells in the body and including the ones that you know, sometimes we give to other people when we die, like our heart or our liver or lungs or, or whatever. That makes sense. Well, apparently heart transplants are said to be the most susceptible to cell memory where organ transplant recipients experienced a quote unquote change of heart. And in a study published in the journal Quality of Life Research, researchers interviewed 47 patients who received a heart transplant over a period of two years in Vienna, Austria. And they found that 6% did confirm a drastic change in their personality due to their new heart. And while the percentage of personality changes as a result of an organ transplant hints to be insignificant, further research has been done to validate the existence of this concept. So it's a, it's a small amount of people, given the bigger group, but they were like, yeah, but it's still like, how do you explain this 6%? And they're like, I don't know, how do you explain why it's only 6% instead of everybody else who was like, nah, I'm just really happy I got a new heart because my old one sucked. Well, it makes me wonder if it's that, like, confirmation bias of, like, these are people who want to believe that or who have, like, heard of it. And so they're, mm -hmm. like, looking for any changes. And it's like, you might just be changing because people change. Like, that, that does happen. Like, people form new patterns of behavior and stuff. Mm -hmm. so. Well, especially if you've gone through something as life-changing as getting, like, a new heart. Because you assume before that you were probably, you know, pretty near death or having to consider the idea that if you don't get this heart, you're gonna die. Which is traumatic. Yeah. Which trauma changes people. So, um, one of the other studies that was done was at the School of Nursing at the University of Hawaii in Honolulu. Uh, researchers wanted to see if changes experienced by organ transplant recipients were parallel to the history of the donor. So, you know, not just like, oh, I feel different, but it's like, no, now I love to watch Clint Eastwood movies. And before that, I couldn't give a shit. And then you find out that the guy that you got your lungs from loves Clint Eastwood kind of thing. Yeah. Um, this one was a much smaller research group, which always kind of, which always kind of like frustrates me because then it's like, oh, it's cool, but it's such a small group 
you can't really make any big assumptions on it. This one was only 10 people who'd received heart transplant. And they said in those 10 people, they found two to five parallels per patient post-surgery in relation to their donor's history. Um, these parallels uh, included things like changes in food, music preference, um, art. I don't know if they mean like ability or appreciation of um, sexual. So I don't, I'm sexual. <laughs> if they... <laughs> Art, sexual, recreational. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they they do the sex more. They are better at it. They're worse at it. Maybe they have different preferences. Like, I mean, maybe. Let me see. But yeah, but recreational, like you know, hobbies and stuff like that. Career preferences. You know, suddenly it's like, man, I hate being a lawyer. I want to be a dentist. I want to be a face painter. Oh, man. I want to be a clown. I want to be a professional pony rider. Uh, let's see. So in addition to these, there were also people who had, like, name associations and sensory experiences. Like, you know, they would feel like they knew a place that they'd never been to when they traveled to a new city or something like that. Um, as far as sensory experiences, one of the patients received a heart transplant from a man who was killed by a gunshot to the face, and the organ recipient reported having dreams about hot flashes of light directly on his face. Oh, no. Which is kind of strange. I mean, I guess, did he know that that's how his donor died? Or... Was it just purely like, I'm having these weird dreams? And then afterwards, they're like, oh, yeah, he totally got shot right in the face. Weird. I don't have that information, but there you go. So here's some anecdotal evidence. In which was the chunk of, of what I found was all, all stories, which they're good stories. I'm excited. <laughs> Here we go. So in 1988, the year I was born, uh, Claire, Sylvia. The year of the dragon. Year of the dragon. Claire Silvio was the first person in New England to receive a heart-lung transplant from a young man who died in a motorcycle accident. Um, after the surgery, she reported having a craving for beer and chicken nuggets. Aw, yeah. Who doesn't have a craving for beer? <laughs> I don't. But <laughs> she also began to have reoccurring dreams about a man named Tim L. Upon searching the obituaries, Sylvia found out her donor's name was Tim LaMiranda. And he loved all of the food that she was craving. She went on to write a book about her experiences called, quote, A Change of Heart, a memoir. She seemed like she was a real nice lady. When mm -hmm. I was, like, looking up to see, you know, if there was more information on her, she, like, used to be a dancer. And then she got some kind of heart, like, pulmonary disease kind of thing. And I don't know. They just... Because the, unfortunately, the article I read was talking about, I guess she did pass away eventually, but it was a long, long time after she got the transplant and everyone was like, she was so nice. Aww. And she loved beer and chicken nuggets. <laughs> I mean, I love chicken nuggets, so I get it. Yeah, I guess like if you all of a sudden were like, man, I just want a ice cold Bud Light, I would be like, what did you do with my friend? <laughs> Who are you? What do you want? What do you want with my friend? This new lung is really changing you. Man, she's just all she does is shotgun Michelob Ultra all day. <laughs> the song Shots is just constantly playing in the background as I begin heavily drinking all the time. Oh, man. All right. So um, in November 2001, 24-year-old Jamie Sherman received the heart transplant she needed since birth. Um, she had a, a heart defect. 
when she awoke following the successful procedure, instead of relief, she felt a deep sense of anger, but didn't know why. She also began to have cravings for Mexican food, especially cheese enchiladas, something that she hadn't craved before. You wild, I love cheese enchiladas. Whoever gets my my organs are gonna love uh, spicy bowl ramen, mm-hmm. cheese enchiladas, crawfish. Soggy salad. Soggy salad. Doesn't matter. I'll eat it fresh too, but I mean, if it's a little wilted, it ain't gonna hurt nobody. The flavor has just absorbed in. <laughs> it's it's infused. This, no. <laughs> It's infused, as long Becca. As I I really hope that I don't have to. I hope you don't have to like give me part of a liver or something. Oh man, if you ever need like a lobe of my lung or a kidney or something, enjoy your soggy salads. <laughs> that would be the one thing I would be like. I could deal with everything else, but that I oh god, I'm crying as I'm eating it. It's so good. Why is this happening? Uh, okay so six months after the transplant jamie was able to meet the family of her donor a 29 year old man named scott phillips she mentioned her cravings and she wasn't surprised to hear that scott's favorite food was mexican particularly cheese enchiladas when jamie found out that scott had died in a fight at a sports bar after being hit in the head and suffering major brain trauma she felt like she understood where her sudden feelings of anger came from she theorized that he felt anger and rage in the seconds before he was hit and consequently died and these feelings were locked in his heart when he was transplanted or when it was transplanted into her that sounds so cheesy though like the idea of like feelings being locked in your heart because it's like you don't feel with your heart, but if it's going by the idea of, like, stem cells and, like, cell memory, then mm-hmm. it makes more sense. But the idea of, like, these feelings were locked in his heart sounds so fake. Cheesy like a cheese enchilada. Cheesy like a cheese enchilada. Mm. <laughs> well, especially, like, with other these other things, I feel like the, the anger part, if they are talking about cellular memory, and this is something he was feeling right before he died, I just don't. I feel like scientifically, if they're going to use cellular memory, that that one doesn't quite, quite fit. Mm-mm. But, I mean. I mean, it could fit in a sense of, like, maybe she's getting a lot of adrenaline or something and, like, her heart beats really fast. And then, but the mm-hmm. anger part, I don't, I don't know how that would. I mean, maybe if, if this whole thing is, is real and it can, like, take on the temperament kind of thing. If he was in a fight, like. I don't feel like your average person gets into a bar fight. And no. so if that maybe was kind of like his speed and sometimes he, you know, got a little heated, maybe that's what was transferring over. Not necessarily like the the anger from that specific fight, but just kind of a general, like more aggressive behavior. Yeah. I was curious. I didn't see anywhere if it said like once she found that out, if she kind of like if it dissipated or if she just kind of always had to carry around this weird you know, feeling of being kind of, kind of mad. That sounds so shitty. That's how I feel right now. Oh my God. A a, a (laughs) lightly simmering pot of anger. Oh God. About to overflow. (laughs) So pitiful. In 1995, Sunny Graham received a heart transplant from a man named Terry Cottle. Cottle had shot himself after an argument with his wife, Cheryl Sweat. His organs were donated after he'd been on life support for several days. 
Three years after the transplant, Sonny and his wife met Cheryl to express their gratitude, but Sonny said that he fell in love with Cheryl that very day. Following a strange, tumultuous courtship, Cheryl Sweat married twice after Caudle, including a wedding where Graham gave her away in her father's place. Both parties found themselves divorced and single. They married in late 2004, and on the outside, they appeared happy, with friends describing Sonny as a good man and the sort of person who would gladly help someone he didn't know. But just four years later, Sonny died by suicide as well. It was revealed that he spent most of his money trying to keep Cheryl financially satisfied. Whether his suicide was the result of cellular memory or the burden of a failing marriage is an open question. That's... This was like some of my favorite murder shit. I had to boil down so much. Like, it was a wild ride from start to finish. That felt like there was a lot more explanation (laughs) that was just like, we don't have time for this. There's no time. <laughs> we don't have time for you two right now. That's sad. Like, well, that was the thing. Like, they were like, "Well, isn't it strange? You know that that the you know the donor died by suicide, and then the guy who got it also died by suicide, and they both you know died from from gunshot wounds." And I was like, I the only part that kind of fit to me was. This idea that I guess when Graham met the donor's widow and was like, I love you, even though I've got a wife who had he been married to for like over 30 years. Oh my God, really? Yeah. They, well, he's he was much older than her. What the fuck? He was like 30 years her senior. Weird. But he was like, I love you. I don't know what he actually sounded like, but he, you know, was like super in love with her and they kind of like dated on and off and then she married two dudes in the interim over all the stories she got married like five times damn girl the the first dude terry coddle who died was his her second husband and then she married two other dudes and i thought it was crazy that graham was hanging out with her enough that he was like oh yeah i'll give you away at your wedding even though i secretly also want to marry you Weird. It was just very strange. And then, I don't know, after that, it kind of seemed more like the common thread in that was that Cheryl Sweat was maybe not the greatest wife slash person to be married to. That's kind of more what I'm taking away from this is maybe Cheryl isn't a very nice person. Yeah. Sorry, Cheryl, but that's a lot of marriages, my dude. Yeah. But, I mean, how, like, he just fell in love with her immediately. That was the part that I was kind of like, that's kind of... Some people. Strange. I guess so. He was extremely grateful for that heart, I guess. (laughs) I guess. I mean, it could be the cellular, like, memory stuff, but there are also some weird people who are, like, strangely magnetic that people just, like, lose their shit over. I guess so. I mean, she get married five times. I I don't understand it because I have, like, no magnetic pull. Like, no one has ever just been like, you're amazing. I feel like I have to trick people into liking me, so. Oh, that's I, not true. <laughs> uh, isn't it, though? All right, we're down to the, the last one. So, Bill, uh, his last name is W-O-H-L. You think that's Wool? Yeah, Wool. Wool. Uh, Bill Wool was a type A money-loving businessman pursuing a jet-setter life until a heart transplant in 2000 changed him 
forever. That was kind of a judgmental sentence. It was, but I kept finding it, like, in several articles about him. They also were like, he was overweight and he was, like, rude. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to tone this down a little bit and just be like, he is a businessman and he loves money. I love that this is the, like... (laughs) This is the nice version of what you read, pretty much. I tried to boil it down, because I was like, why do we keep fat-shaming this man? It's hilarious. <laughs> money-loving, jet-setter life. Oh, I love this money. Okay. Some people just want to, like, have money and do shit. I don't know. It's like Scrooge McDuck. Hey, man, if I could jump into a fucking pool full of money, I would. You would die because it's hard. You can't just dive into a pile of coins like that. So now Bill works part time and spends most of his newfound energy winning speed and performance medals in swimming, cycling and track. It's a passion matched only by the good he wants to do with his charitable foundation. And he surprises himself by crying when he hears Sade, a singer he'd never heard of, and a reaction unimaginable before his transplant, because apparently he wasn't always super nice and he wasn't very sensitive, and now he is. Um, see, for years, and this is in Arizona, so I don't know if this is true of all states, but identities of organ donors were kept a secret just because, I guess, they were like, it's emotionally a lot to take in so let's just Mm -hmm. keep that on the down low Um, but now donors and recipients can write letters to one another or to surviving families six months after the transplant the letters are transferred through the donor network of arizona Uh, when wool received a letter from his donor's family he was shocked to learn that his heart had belonged to 36 year old michael brady a good-looking super fit hollywood stuntman who'd done volunteer work with children and aids patients in california Wool was able to meet the Brady family, and it was Michael's brother, Chris, who told Wool about his brother's affinity for the artist, Sade. These are all, that one is the most convincing one. That's the one where I'm like, all right, I buy it. <laughs> the The song thing is definitely something that I'm kind of like, okay, that's weird. Like, because he said, if I guess the first time, like, he was just driving and he heard it and he burst into tears. And he's like, I don't know what song this is. I don't know who this is. <laughs> But the other parts where he he expressed a lot of, like, surprise. I guess he was like, I just thought it was some, like, rando's heart. And then I see it, and it's, like, this super fit, good-looking dude. And he seems like he kind of wanted to be like, I need to live up to his memory. Because he was, like, a super good-doing man who was like, my body is a temple. Now I'm going to jump out of a plane into a parachute with a parachute. I'm reading a I'm reading an article about Michael Brady. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, he did. Yep. In 2000, stuntman, skydiver, and actor died Monday while preparing his stunt equipment for the UPN "I Dare You" television show in Benson, Arizona. He was 36. He was part of the Guinness World Records skydiving jump in 1988 in Chicago. Um, his career spanned 15 years. His mother described him as a man with a heart of gold, took lunches to AIDS patients twice a week, and often read stories to children in the hospital. He never forgot the people back home, she said, recalling that he would visit his high school friends and credited his success to his former drama teacher at Rockville High. So just like a very nice dude. That's sad that the world doesn't have him in it anymore. I mean, I'm glad that the other guy seemed to turn over a new leaf, but still just sucks. Uh, well, being a stuntman is dangerous. It's true. Yeah, I found out today that my yoga teacher used to be a stuntman. 
Which I guess I can believe because he can like fold his entire body into a small ball. I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, I'm a stuntman slash contortionist. Is he a mud bug? A mud bug? <laughs> like a like a roly poly? No, like a crawfish. No, not that I know of, unless he's wearing a people suit. Uh, mm, can you imagine a crawfish that big? In the meat mm, in the butt. I'm still thinking about the crawfish we had today. <laughs> it was very good. It was very good. Man. I feel like my stomach is very loud. I hope you can't hear it. My stomach is digesting, so. <laughs> Mine is too. We had breakfast for dinner. Mm. It's been a good food day. But that's cellular memory. That's organ transplant stuff. I, there's so many anecdotes and, like, stories about people having stuff like this. One thread I didn't really, like, look into, and I feel like I should have, is there's definitely, like, several movies where someone gets, like, an eye or a heart or something like that from someone, and then they turn into, like, an evil monster, or they're haunted by the memory of the eyeball or something like that. Creepy. Wasn't it, like, Jessica Alba was in some movie where she was, like, a blind lady, and she got an eye transplant, but it was a possessed eye? Possessed eye? I don't know, and it was called, like, The Eyeball. Possessed Eye Movie. Eyeball. The Eye. The Eye. Jessica Alba. Yes. Got him, coach. <laughs> Got him, coach. Let's see. What's the IMDb rating? Is it good? Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at the Wikipedia. Sydney Wells is a successful classical violinist from Los Angeles who's been blind since she was five years old, caused by an accident with firecrackers. Fifteen years later, after celebrating conductor and pianist Simon McCullough's birthday during rehearsal, Sydney undergoes a cornea transplant, which turns her eyesight to return. A bit blurry at first. As time goes on, Sydney's vision begins to clear. However, she also begins experiencing terrifying visions, mostly of fire and of people dying. She also sees people that are already dead. Is this getting a little spoilery? Anyways. Sounds great. Sounds super good. Let's see. What's the IMDb rating? It's a, uh, a rich horror vein, which, given the subject matter of our show, I'm kind of surprised that I didn't look it up. But, you know, you live and you learn. Say la vie. It's got a 5.4. Out of 10? <laughs> yep. Ah, oh, dag. Uh, sorry, Jessica. Can't win them all, my dude. Ooh, it's cut. Oh, 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, That's no. bad. Hachi machi. Woof a doodle. So it's a rich horror vein that isn't always executed very well, apparently. Maybe someone's gotten it right. Well, what have you been up to? Anything cool or funny? Any any recommendations? Any spooky happenings? I have been rewatching all of Game of Thrones. And it. I finally got to season five, which is my least favorite season, and I literally skipped through most of it because I was just like, uh, this doesn't feel true to the, like, spirit of the books or the, like, characters sometimes. What? I mean, without spoiling, I guess, what happened in season five? What's something that I would remember? <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. The Is this post-Red Wedding? Yes, it's post purple wedding as well. It's oh, um, okay. it's the season where Sansa goes back home, and it's bad. Is Ramsay there? Yeah, and okay. it's also the season where they butchered the sand snakes. It's uh, also dang. the season where uh, 
something else happens that I was just like, N-n-n-n. and then there's some stuff that like obviously is you know interesting and really riveting and good. There are like emotional beats in the season that were good, and I watched those and just those. But overall, very rough season. Two characters you really care about die. Uh, it's just a bad time. Season five was not my favorite. And now I'm on season six and it's great. I'm having a great time. I'm glad you made it through. Barely. I'm proud of you. I mentioned this to you. You already have it. But there's a tarot app that I've been using lately called uh, Golden Thread. And I really like it because it's like you can do like daily draws and different it basically like it's a good guide if you're kind of like still learning how to do the different like three card pulls and I mean even if you want to do something crazy like Celtic Cross or something like that it's kind of got a guided (laughs) yeah it's got a guided bit to it and I like that it's like it's digital cards which I'm not as drawn to just because I feel like you know if you believe in the energy of the cards and all that stuff which I mean I don't but I do but I don't and so I like that I can do pulls in real life, but then also enter it in. And it kind of helps me like log what I'm drawing for, what the answers were and kind of come back to it later and be like, Oh, you know, was that accurate? Like, did I read that correctly? You know, did I interpret it weird? And, uh, and it's also kind of just got like a cool little minimalist aesthetic to it. And I think you can like pay to upgrade and get different stuff on it but just the basic one is is very useful and it's on your phone and it's just kind of nice if you're looking for like a digital tarot card journal kind of thing because I was writing mine down in a physical journal and it was okay but it wasn't really it wasn't really working for me I like digital because it's so neat yeah less less stuff to keep track of I know they also have a physical version of the deck that's like black paper and and then it's like gold foil it's beautiful it's super cute it's beautiful. I love it. But I would feel, I know we did a tarot episode a while ago. And if if you picked that up or you're just interested in something like that, if you don't have your own deck and you kind of just want to try the digital one and kind of see what it feels like, if you like horoscopes and astrology and all that stuff, I know it's fake, I know, but it's fun, whatever, I like it. And um, I don't know, it's just a good app, the golden thread. I was reading a thing that was like, people that are always like astrology's fake it's she was like it's because you don't know you're like sun moon and rising sign and she was like once you know that you know it's true and i was like i was like and then i was like no that is kind of i mean because for the longest time there were certain parts of taurus that i was like i don't really relate to that or blah, blah blah but then once i like looked up what my moon sign and my rising sign is i was like oh no oh no this explains like this it it suddenly i was just like i understand why now i have things in common with certain people who are like pisces or virgo because i have those aspects and i'm just like "Mm, it's rough yeah you know i found out my rising sign literally like yesterday oh what is it do you have any guesses Hmm. your okay so your sun sign is sagittarius your moon Mm -hmm. sign is it's also Sagittarius. Is your rising Capricorn? Nah. Is it Virgo? Nah. Is it Taurus? Nah. Is it Leo? Nah. Is it Gemini? Yes. <laughs> it's Gemini. That makes sense. <laughs> oh. 
I was reading it and I was just like, ugh, drag me. I'm the worst. Because <laughs> I was guessing all these ones and I was like, that wouldn't make sense. That wouldn't make sense either. That's like, oh man, Gemini. That, yep. Okay. Fucking Gemini yep. ascendant. God damn it. That explains all of your like, I like attention. Look upon me. I like me. attention and I do, I want to fit in with everybody. I want to try to fit in with all these different groups of people and everyone thinks I'm fake because they're like, how can you be friends with all these people? You can't have this much in common with all of them, you fake-ass bitch. <laughs> it's fine. All of my control issues all link back to the Virgo stuff. And I was <sighs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder what Cherie's rising sign is. I don't know. But the Scorpio, <sighs> when she said Scorpio, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I get that. That secretive little trollop. Love her so much. Mm-hmm. We should have Cherie on again soon. We should. <laughs> so she could defend herself when we're just being like, uh, Cherie. Yeah. Taurus, Scorpio, and then I feel like she'll have some other like emotional sign. I bet she's a Pisces. I mean, my moon sign is Pisces. And I was like, that definitely explains all of my like, I want to isolate myself from others, but then I'm going to cry about it. <laughs> Why doesn't anyone want to hang out with me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, woof. Right. Uh, we haven't done uh what's it called we haven't done a shout out in a thousand years oh but, you wanna um well yeah well just because i uh i mentioned on this one like gaming discord that i hang out on sometimes that i was editing a podcast like i guess when i was working on our last one and then they asked what it was and i was like oh no oh no oh no <laughs> what a what a weird one to start on. I'm so sorry that they had to listen uh, to us talk about penis pants. Yeah, they were like, I don't know if I needed to hear about that well, first thing in the morning. You know what? My eyes went to hell, so do yours. They we all have to be in hell together. I'm sorry. But uh but yeah, so I don't know how many of them actually listen, but I know three for sure did, or at least like checked it out briefly. So hello spirit, hello Cam, hello Kai. I'm I'm happy that you gave it a shot. Sorry it was penis pants. I'm not sorry. Necro pants. I'm not sorry at all. <laughs> Becca's like, I'll never say I'm sorry. <laughs> never say I'm fucking sorry. That's what love is, right? Yeah. Never having to say you're sorry. No, it's definitely the opposite. <laughs> it's saying you're sorry all the time. But uh but yeah, that's it. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're on Spotify, you can uh, subscribe to us, leave us a review. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Ghost Emoji Show. Um, I feel like we post more on Instagram with, like, the photos and stuff like that that go with episodes. But it's also nice, like, if we miss an episode like we did last time, just to kind of give you a heads up in case you're waiting with bated breath. Mm. I know you all are. Yeah. All, all of you. Each and every one of you. All ten of you. <laughs> But yeah, if you want to send us any questions or comments, you can email us at ghostemojipodcast at gmail.com. I think that will do it for us. So until next time, always remember to say goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye.